Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sleep Cues. I hope everyone's having a good week so far. It is Q&A Tuesday, so just like every other Tuesday, I dove into my DMs, my Facebook messages, my inbox, and I chose five questions that I'm going to answer in today's episode. You know, as I always mention, it is really the case that while our children are individuals and definitely parents are dealing with individual and specific challenges with regards to their child's sleep in many situations, in many other situations, we are all experiencing some really similar stuff. So I love doing Q&A Tuesday because the questions that I get in my inbox, on my DMs, on Instagram, in comments, on Instagram posts, the questions that I get are often very similar from different parents. And it's great to be able to give you answers that hopefully can help the person who asked the question, but also lots of parents who are experiencing similar issues with their babies or their toddlers when it comes to their naps or their nighttime sleep. So let's dive in. First question that I pulled out for today is, Do you have advice for if my child's daycare needs her to have just one nap per day, but she's not ready? It's a good question. And yes, this is a question I get a lot. A lot of children go to daycare at or before 12 months of age. And at or before 12 months of age, most children aren't really ready to handle just one nap per day. You've heard me talk about it before, but I really like children to stay on a two nap schedule if possible until closer to 16 or 18 months. But life is life and it's not always possible. You know, not every daycare, not a lot of daycares will offer two naps per day to children who are over 12 months of age because they're kind of like, you know what, I think your kiddo can handle it. And it's really more logistically possible for us to just give all the children in our daycare the same nap time per day, every day. And so that's what we're going to do. And I can absolutely understand why a daycare would do that. It's just that as parents, if that's the daycare we're choosing for our child, then we need to be prepared with some strategies for how to handle it. If we didn't really feel like our child was quite ready for that one nap schedule, but we've got to do it anyway. So what do we do? Advice for if your child's daycare needs her to have just one nap a day. There are a couple of options you can take. One is that you can put your child to bed really early. And I know that can be tough if you have two working parents and you're getting your child home from daycare and getting her dinner and getting her to bed. But if you really see that your child isn't quite ready for this one nap schedule and is very, very tired by her old bedtime, which was maybe around 7, 7.30, we probably need to be doing an earlier bedtime. So if your child is going to go down to one nap a day before she's really ready for it, you probably need to be doing like a six o'clock bedtime to compensate for that overtiredness. The other thing you can consider is giving your child two naps on the weekends, but just that one nap during the week at daycare. So you could try to catch your child up on the weekend by having sort of a mid-morning nap and a mid-afternoon nap on Saturdays and Sundays, and then she has her one nap a day at daycare from Monday to Friday. And some children will do really well with that, and it sort of catches them up to a more age-appropriate schedule on the weekend before they return to daycare on the Monday and have just one nap per day. So those are a couple of options to answer that question if your child is going to daycare and going down to one nap a day before you really feel like she's ready for it. Next question that I pulled out is, 
What is the best age to start sleep coaching? That is a loaded question. The reason it's loaded is because my answer is generally the best age to start sleep coaching is the point at which you as parents feel like you need to or want to do sleep coaching. So there isn't one particular age that is easier or harder per se to do sleep coaching at. I definitely don't recommend parents do formal sleep coaching in the newborn stage. There is so much going on developmentally. Your little one is so little. It's really hard to have clear and distinct goals about sleep in the newborn stage. Certainly there are things you can do in the newborn stage to try to get sleep started on the right foot. And if you have been on the website and looked at the details of our sleep guides, you'll see that we do have a newborn sleep guide. And that is really about guiding parents in that newborn stage through some techniques and strategies and ideas that they can put in place to try to get healthy sleep habits started from day one. And sometimes it's really not even about what you do when your child is in the crib. It's really about the other stuff. It's about scheduling, not by the clock scheduling for your newborn, of course, but proper awake times, proper routines, good nap time and bedtime routines that can help your child transition into good sleep. So those are some things we can think about in the newborn stage, but we're definitely not doing more formal sleep coaching in the newborn stage because sleep coaching is really the idea of putting your child in the crib fully awake and having them fall asleep using just their own sleep skills. And it's also about changing sleep patterns. We don't know if we need to change sleep patterns in the newborn stage. We haven't even developed any sleep patterns yet per se. So sleep coaching is about, okay, well now we're well out of the newborn stage and we have some sleep patterns that are causing us some difficulties. Our child is waking up many multiple times at night at an age now where we thought that wasn't going to be happening anymore or our child will not nap in her crib ever and so we're exhausted because we're just carrying her around all day long and none of us is getting a break or enough rest. These are the things when we're well out of the newborn stage, you know, three and a half, four months and beyond where we start looking more at sleep coaching. That's the earliest, say 14 weeks or so is the earliest I would look at more formal sleep coaching. So in answer to the question, the best age to start, the earliest I would start is that 14 plus week mark. But it's not necessarily the best age or not the best age. I've worked with many children that age who do fabulously with sleep coaching. And I've worked with many children that age who have a lot of challenges with sleep coaching and the end result is great. But for some 14 week olds, sleep coaching is going to be easy breezy. And for other 14 week olds, it's going to be a big challenge. But at the end of it all, we're all going to be getting great rest. It's just a different path for some families to get there than other families. But here's the thing. The same thing can be said for an 18 month old or a 26 month old or a 10 month old. And that's to say that They might have a super easy time with sleep coaching and it might go way easier than you expected or it might be really challenging. If you have a proper plan in place and you're really consistent about what you're doing with sleep coaching, then the outcome for all of those kiddos is going to be the same, which is going to be great, healthy rest for the whole family. But some children are going to have an easier time and some children are going to have a tougher time And it doesn't necessarily depend on their age. It depends on the child and just how that individual child is going to respond to sleep coaching. It depends on whether you had a plan in place and whether you had a good plan in place that your child's going to respond well to. And it depends on the parents for sure. You've got to go into sleep coaching feeling like you have a good plan, feeling confident, 
being 100% consistent about what you're doing for each nap and each bedtime and each nighttime wake up. So the successful outcome of sleep coaching really depends on that too, not necessarily on age. So that's something we need to keep in mind when we're thinking about when to do sleep coaching is that it's not going to be on an exact day of your child's life that sleep coaching is going to go better than if you'd started a different month or a different week. So we need to keep that in mind. Of course, if your child is sick, don't start sleep coaching. If your child is projectile vomiting with the flu, not a good day to start sleep coaching. If your child is just popping a brand new tooth that day or that week and it seems really to be irritating him, then maybe don't start sleep coaching that exact week. But also keep in mind that our children are going to be teething for the first couple of years of their lives. So we don't necessarily want to put off sleep coaching until there is no teething at all or no signs or symptoms of teething at all. But like I said, if it's the day that the tooth is popping through, that is usually the day the acute pain happens. And so maybe we don't want to start sleep coaching on that day. Otherwise, there isn't one or the other best age to start. Just to say that as long as we're well out of the newborn stage and you are feeling ready as a parent, and that's the big thing. The age to start sleep coaching is the age at which you've decided, okay, now we're ready. We need sleep coaching. Remember, sleep coaching is not for everybody, but healthy sleep should be. And so a lot of families might think, no, I wouldn't do sleep coaching. I'm not not going to need sleep coaching. But then you get to a point where you realize, oh, well, now that we're in the thick of it, we do actually need a change to our sleep habits. We need to help our little one learn some more independent sleep skills so he can have longer rest. Again, not every family is going to come across that. Some families will and will decide, okay, maybe we need to actually look more at what sleep coaching is and decide what the right strategy is for our family because now we're ready to make a change. You'll often hear me say, do what works for you and your family until or unless it doesn't work anymore. And if that's the case, the latter, where you've gotten to the point where what you were doing used to work but does not feel like it is any longer working for your family and you are all exhausted and you are not thriving in your sleep or your child's sleep and you do feel like some significant changes might need to be made in order for you to all get better rest, that is the time to start sleep coaching if that's when you're ready. Next question was about best blackout blinds and curtains. Recommendations for best blackout blinds and curtains. No matter how hard I try, I cannot get the room dark enough. So you all know that I love dark for sleep. Absolutely, we all sleep better when it's dark. Whether we're talking about babies, toddlers, preschoolers, adults, we all sleep better when the room is nice and dark. It's how our circadian rhythms work. It tells us that it's time to go to sleep. So best blackout blinds and curtains, really in general, I would say that you don't want like the twisty Venetian blinds because they do let in a lot of light. In your child's room, I highly recommend a good quality blackout blind. And those are usually like the pull down roller style blinds or what are referred to as cellular shades, which are kind of like the, you can picture the cardboard looking accordion blinds. Those are usually the best at keeping out light. There are a couple of hacks that I have seen parents use that I love. So one is that I've seen a lot of parents now with the pull down roller style blinds, instead of installing it on the inside of the windowsill, I'm seeing parents install it on the windowsill or outside of the windowsill or the trim or the frame so that it doesn't, if it's inside the windowsill, then usually there's going to be a couple centimeters of space so that it fits inside the window. And then in that space, a lot of sunlight comes in and still makes your child's room significantly bright, therefore a distraction from going to sleep. So when I've seen parents install the roller style blinds 
on or outside of the window trim, then you're really blocking out a lot of the light because you're not getting those little cracks in the sides where the light seeps in. So that might be a good idea. If you're using a cellular shade, you're likely going to have to install it more on the inside of the window. So that's where covering the blackout blind with good quality blackout curtains can be really helpful. Make sure you do your research to make sure that it is going to be a good blackout curtain. We have a company in Canada called Boucler and I have found that they are the best quality blackout curtains. This is not a sponsored podcast by Boucler by any means. I just really, truly find in my house we have them. And when my clients use Boucler curtains, they're really good quality. Other companies tend to sell blackout blinds that are advertised as blackout. But then, you know, I see the parent put their hand behind the curtain and you can see their hand through it. So not necessarily the best quality. So you want one that is really going to do its job in blacking out the room. And you're going to install that over top of your blackout blind so that you get those cracks on the side. You cover those up as well. There's also a really cool tool that I've seen now and it's a blackout curtain rod. And so the reason it's called that is because instead of being a straight rod at the ends, it curves around to tuck into the wall where it's mounted. And so your curtains now, instead of just going straight and leaving a gap at the end between the wall and the curtain, your curtains now wrap around the ends of that blackout curtain rod as well and go right up next to the wall. So they get rid of that light that might be creeping in underneath from the sides of your blinds. So that is another good option. So those are the things I would recommend for blinds and curtains to make sure that your baby's room is nice and dark for a very sleep conducive environment. Next question I pulled out was this, what do you think about baby sleeping in mom and dad's room at night, but in her crib in her room for naps? So a different sleep space for naps and nights, not really my recommendation. What I like to see whenever it comes to anything related to your baby's sleep is consistency. So if your baby sleeps in the parent's room at night, I would recommend your baby sleep in the parent's room during the day for naps. The more consistent you can be about your child's sleep, the better. Of course, there are going to be times when you're out of the house, you're at grandma's house or you're at a friend's house and you're putting your baby down there. That's going to be a different sleep environment. Of course, I still do recommend that you make it as similar and familiar feeling as possible with a travel crib and your baby's sleep sack that they're used to sleeping in. Take a portable blackout blind so you can make the room nice and dark. The Grow Anywhere blind is a good option for that. So when you're out of the house, of course, it's going to be a bit different and not as familiar. When you're in your house, why not take the opportunity to make your child's sleep environment as similar as possible in all situations? Because babies like familiarity and consistency. So again, if your child sleeps in your room at night, I would have them have their naps there during the day as well, rather than having naps and nights in different spaces. Same thing if you've moved your child to their own room, that you're going to have them have their naps and their nights there instead of one or the other. So that would be my recommendation for where your baby sleeps. Consistent space for all sleep. And the last question I pulled out for this week is this. I've heard it's better to do sleep coaching for nights first and then for naps later. What are your thoughts on that? You will hear different trains of thoughts on this. You can read about different trains of thoughts on this, but here's my answer to that question. I really like for parents to focus on naps and nights at the same time when you're doing sleep coaching. And here's why. Yes, nighttime sleep and daytime sleep are not exactly the same. They are different kinds of sleep but they're not totally unrelated. And so if your baby is rocked to sleep all day long for every nap every day, but then you are putting him in the crib fully awake at bedtime and expecting him to learn independent sleep skills, 
your baby's going to be confused. He's going to be like, wait a minute. No, no, no. I just spent the whole day napping in your arms and sleeping in your arms and on you. Why would you now think that I'm going to go into this crib awake and fall asleep using just my own sleep skills? I don't really have my own sleep skills. And I'm a bit confused about when I'm supposed to use my own sleep skills and when I don't have to. So I really do find that parents have a lot more success with sleep coaching when they focus on nights and naps at the same time and just manage everything at once so baby is not confused and baby knows what to expect in every sleep situation. This can be so helpful to your baby's overall progress with sleep skills. Like anything else, you will definitely talk to someone or maybe you are someone who that was not the case for that you did sleep coach your baby at night and continued to rock them to sleep all day long for naps and it went just fine. Or you have a friend who only focused on naps but still used lots of sleep crutches overnight and it went just fine. But I generally find as the norm, parents have a lot more difficulty when they try to focus on them separately in sleep coaching and a lot more success and a lot less frustration overall when you're just focusing on everything at once. You're not confused about what's going on. Baby's not confused about what's going on. And you have a ton of success with baby really understanding and becoming familiar with and confident in and comfortable with all of the new sleep patterns that are happening because they happen at every sleep time, not just at some or the other. So that's where I would focus when it comes to sleep coaching is naps and nights at the same time. So I hope that was helpful. That's a wrap up of the top five questions from this week from my inbox. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their week and you can tune in next week for the newest episode of Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.